Welcome to Jetfuel Devs, everyone. Again, welcome to episode five, where tech and aviation meet to help you soar to new heights in your development journey. I'm Veronica, your co-host. I'm a professional flight attendant flying for about close to eight years now, which is wild. I just can't believe time flies. Time flies, everything flies. And also I'm a full-time student, software engineering student, software developer, um, and I'm a full-time AI enthusiast as well. So I'll have to say now hello to Dan. Hi, Dan, how are you? How have you been? Hi, Veronica. Good to see you again. Good morning from my side of the world. And uh, it's afternoon for you. You're in uh, Dubai, I believe. Yes, yes. Now in Dubai. Yeah. It's been a minute. Uh, we've been busy with our work lives. Um, I, I am, a, to reintroduce myself, for those of you who might be just joining the show, I'm a professional pilot for a major U.S. airline flying a 737 based out of Seattle. And uh, I am also an iOS developer. I have several apps on the App Store, and I'm working on a new app as well, uh, focused primarily in Swift and Swift UI, getting into Swift data. I've been doing um, software development for about seven years, and I've been flying professionally for 23 years, which uh, is uh, is a long time, and, and that's not even including my, wow. my the flying before that. And yeah, time flies when you're flying, that's for sure. It's good to be back. Good to uh, talk with you again about uh, uh, aviation software development. We're going to talk today about uh, how to regain your momentum with software development if you've maybe fallen out of practice, or maybe you had something that interrupted your your code, your work, um, and how to rebuild uh, momentum uh, in your software uh, career. But uh, Veronica, it's been, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but we had a chance to meet. <laughs> this was crazy, honestly, <laughs> because actually we didn't plan it like in advance. Um, so what I can remember, I remember the good coffee. <laughs> we went to Starbucks, guys. We met in Seattle uh, and uh, I was actually very happy to meet as well your wife and your um kids so it was really a pleasure for me uh well it was fun but it was full of um business talks honestly <laughs> it was not like uh i believe if we had the espresso martinis by the way guys if you are in seattle and then what was the it was starbucks reserve right yes yeah it was i think it's called the starbucks reserve roastery uh there's two locations we were we were at the downtown the downtown location yes oh my god i loved it guys like this is the best place although it's very crowded you basically never can get a table i guess there we tried to get one but we couldn't so anyway they have alcohol there which was surprising for me i mean i never been to such a starbucks in my life so i'm like oh no they have espresso martinis but i had my flight in like what two three hours right. after that so i couldn't get one but uh, yeah next time we meet in seattle then we should try one yeah, it's a cool spot. I had no idea that that was uh, it was such a tourist destination. So, but yeah, no doubt we broke right into business talking about jet fuel devs and all the plans that we have. And we couldn't stop talking, guys. Like seriously, we were like insane. Like for two hours, I think we met for like two hours. About two hours. Yeah, like we couldn't stop talking. But I I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, next time we agreed on we are going where 
hookah place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we discovered, yes. guys, that we both like hookah. So this is where we will hold our business meetings. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a tax write-off. <laughs> I love that. Of course, of course. What did you think? Yeah. How has your flying been, actually? How is, uh, you just did a trip uh, yesterday or the day before, I think? Yeah, so uh, I had a surgery. I recovered for a surgery. I'm still recovering, actually. But I'm back to flying. I was off flying for uh, 20 days. Um, I actually consider it as a how to say? I was out of Dubai. Uh, I was in Istanbul, Turkey. So I considered it also as like a holiday, but not really, because obviously I was I had to recover from surgery and all of that. Um, well, yeah, I did already two flights. Um, it was all right. I, I, I was happy to be back in the skies, flying, and uh, but they were just a turnaround. So um, nothing really interesting but i have next boston so i'm excited about it and um yeah if you if you have actually any suggestions about boston i don't know what to oh. do there so if there's anything interesting any tech community there i would love to join <laughs> some oh tech yeah i yeah, I don't. Uh, I haven't looked into. Uh, I, I know that there's a few people I follow on on the X platform that definitely live in Boston, um, but oh. I haven't. I haven't reached out to to meet up with anybody. But I'm sure that you could find um, uh, a meetup or, or something if you if you did uh, reach I out. I have to check. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the as far as like, I don't know where you stay in Boston, but um, if you can make it into the, uh, I think it's the Italian district. Um, there's, uh, actually, I wish I could remember the name of the coffee shop. I might have to look it up. One of the best cappuccinos I've ever had in my life was in no, Boston. Stop. It was phenomenal. It was, it was just like, there was a little, I think they put a little cinnamon on top, uh, of the, of the foam and like the ratio of the foam and the espresso was perfect. Uh, but if you, uh, yeah, if you just, just kind of Google like the Italian district of, of Boston, that's my recommendation. You, you really can't go wrong. Uh, there's perfect. great food. Um, it's really nice walkable. It's a, it's a really walkable city because in that area, because it's just like, it's old town. Um, you know, it's the, one of the oldest cities in, in America, I, I think, um, oh, uh, is just it? because it's uh, East coast and, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of history there with, uh, Paul Revere. I think this is, I am not a history person, so I, I'm, I shouldn't be talking about this because I'll probably get <laughs> something right. wrong, but, uh, but yeah, like the British invasion and everything, the Boston tea party. Um, these are, these are moments in, in us history that, uh, that were, you know, of course there. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a great city. If you like running, there's a, there's a running path that goes, um, kind of right through the middle, uh, of, of the, uh, I don't know what area it, it is kind of that, that Italian district, if I remember correctly, uh, there's a nice park. And so, yeah, you, you can't go wrong really in Boston. Hopefully the weather's good. Um, it's not winter yet. Hopefully, hopefully. I have to check where we stay. I'm not really sure where exactly we are. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm excited and I'm going to check the Italian district. So to try that cappuccino, I'm all about coffee. The last time I was in Boston, yeah. we were we were leaving uh, that morning. So usually I'll fly in because I, I like to fly like early mornings and then I finish early in the afternoon or early in midday. And uh, I try to have that kind of that kind of flying if, as best I can. But um, so we were leaving Boston 
oh, this is a couple months ago now, but, uh, but the, the right, as we call, like I'm the first officer, right? So I call for pushback off of the gate, right? And then you start pushing back right as I call for push off of the, uh, off of the gate to depart. And we were, we were departing on time. The, uh, air traffic controller gives us a, a reroute. So, uh, a different route of, of flight, uh, from our original plan, uh, from the airport. And usually if ATC gives us a reroute, it means maybe one or two different points, you know, you're going to go uh, just one or two different points along the route, but this was a completely different route across the country from Boston to Seattle okay. than we were originally planned. So, oh, yeah. so now we're just about to push back. We've got a reroute, which involves a whole litany of, of changes that we have to make. We, we have to put it into the flight computer. We have to clear it with dispatch because it was such a significant change to make sure that we have enough fuel, uh, which thankfully we did, but all of this stuff, every little step of, of the process takes time. So we boarded up. We're just about to push. We get a reroute. I don't know how long it took. Let's say it took 15 minutes to maybe 10 minutes to get all of these, these changes put in the computer, call dispatch, check the fuel, everything. Right. So then we're taxiing out and, uh, and, and the taxi time is, is a, a lot. I, I think I speculate, and this is a guess that I think at the time yeah. that, uh, the air traffic control, the New York center was short staffed. I think they just didn't have the staff the center controllers to handle the volume of airplanes leaving JFK, Boston, you know, LaGuardia, all these, all these airports that are kind of packed together on the, on the East coast like that. And, uh, but I don't know because a lot of other flights were getting reroutes as well that day. So it was just causing this, this, like you're just dragging the airplane out to the runway. Like you just, nothing is moving fast that day, but we finally get up to the, the holds we're up next to take off. And, uh, and it's, you know, the, 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 pa- the flight attendants are, are been calling because every now and then somebody needs, needs to get up to go to the bathroom, right? Because now we've been on the airplane 45 minutes to an hour, I think, since we left the gate, right? And so anybody that boarded has been maybe in their seat for an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and a half if they boarded the flight. You know, one of the first people on the airplane have been sitting in that seat for an hour and a half already, and we haven't left the ground. So we're having to deal with these issues as well. People need to get up, you know, which is, which is. How did you, how did, uh, like, so you are just about to go, like you are just about to, I guess, reach the runway and then people were just standing up, started standing up. Yeah. You know, you'll have, um, I don't know, I can't remember exactly, but you'll have like a, like a a family with a small child that the small child needs to go to the bathroom. Right. So like, oh. So the flight sense will, yeah, will say like they got up. I mean, you can only do so much, right? Like you can't force them to stay in their seat, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seatbelt exactly. sign or, or not, you know, if somebody's got to get up, they're going to get up. And of course we encourage people like, please stay in your seats because we can't taxi. I mean, we, we technically can, but we're not, so, you know, we shouldn't taxi with somebody walking around the cabin because if you hit the brakes, of course they can fall down. But, uh, um, so we're dealing yeah. with some of these issues. And then we're, we're right. Always. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and especially on your flights, I'm sure with 300 people. We have them as well. Yeah. We have this issue mostly in economy class. Uh, when I remember almost on each flight, you have it and you should kind of deal with it. You don't want to be like, because some people, they can, uh, they uh, confuse assertiveness with rudeness, you know, so, but you have to be assertive. You cannot just let it slide because after that, it's on you, you right. know. It's, uh, if something happens, 
they'll be like, who was responsible for that area, for that certain area of the aircraft? Because, you know, in the flight, uh, between flight attendants, we have areas. We separate the aircraft through areas and you're responsible for that area. And yeah, it's very, very um, important for us to to be assertive, to make them see it as much as we can. Then if they don't comply, we consider it personally, uh, not personally, our company consider it as a, a low breach. So because you're not fasting the seatbelt is like a low, you know, it's not like a uh, recommendation in our airline. So yeah, it's it's we mean it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when it comes to safety, we you know everywhere we don't joke. Um, so I know what you mean, and we have this a lot. But yeah, after that, you can even call the police on them if you if the purser on the flight decides, or if the captain, of course, decides. This is mostly um, the um, the decision is made by the captain. So. It doesn't happen very often, but we have had people removed from the airplane uh, for non-compliance. And and usually there's some sort of like, you know, obviously after eight years for yourself of of working with people, you have kind of your limits, right? Like this is somebody is maybe upset about about this or that or flight delay or or um, their pillow isn't fluffy enough or who knows. But, uh, uh, you know, these are these are funny. We had a lot of a lot of problems during COVID with the masks and everything, but oh, tell me about it. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, but this day in Boston wasn't. It wasn't that. It was just. It was just a long time. It was just an extended taxi to departure. Well, finally, we're getting. We are next to take off, but there's also airplanes landing. So you know, we there has to be a space you know wide enough to, for air, air traffic control to let us actually you know on the runway and then clear for takeoff. So we just get our clearance to taxi onto the runway. Uh, for to take off right and we're just crossing onto the runway and we get a call from the flight attendant saying some guy just stood up and went into the bathroom said it was an emergency no no and we've been waiting this long to get to the runway we're on the runway somebody gets up (laughs) rushes into the bathroom and and what we had to do was was just circle thankfully there was a taxiway right there that we could we could on the runway and then just turn right back off the runway because now we can't take off there's airplanes landing and who knows we, we didn't know how far back in the line this is going to put us exactly. uh, but thankfully we're we'll turn right back off on the runway uh, onto the taxiway and get right back in line <gasps> and right back in number one actually because the person sat right back down or well that not really, but they came out of the bathroom. This is so good. It, it was, it was lucky, and but I have never had that happen uh, like that, like that. The timing of somebody getting up, so it, you know, it, it, but Horrible. I kind of understand their, their perspective. Like they've been sitting there for I don't know an hour and a half, pushing maybe two hours. I don't think it was quite two hours, but a long time. But you know, when we say please stay in your seats for the seatbelt fastened, we're just about to take off. You know, like we mean it. And, uh, and, but again, humans, we're human and everybody's got to go to the bathroom and, uh, it happens. So, uh, humans are humaning. Yeah. Just, you're doing your human thing. Uh, it's, (laughs) so, uh, it was, it was a hell of a day, um, but we got out of Boston and, uh, and finally, but, you know, I think the, the crew, you know, handled everybody, uh, pretty well. I like your statement about confusing assertiveness with rudeness. I think that's a good statement to, you know, like it, you have to 
you, you have a job to do, safety to, to keep in mind. Um, we're not trying to be rude, but it may come out that way, uh, you know, especially after an hour and a half. Well, imagine God forbid in an emergency, honestly, I don't hear, I don't care how I would sound, you know, like you have to get up and get your ass out of the aircraft, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. sometimes, and some people there, when you're being assertive, sometimes people are like shocked. How could you talk to me like that? Like when it comes to safety, it's like there is no politeness if you're not complying like it's only assertiveness i don't care if i sound to you rude or whatever and rude means something else in my opinion rude means like you're just being rude on purpose you know but when it comes to safety of the aircraft of the passengers of the crew of you know everyone basically doesn't uh, like yeah. we don't really care what how you feel <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, it, I, I think people forget sometimes like, you know, we have in-flight movies, we have in-flight internet, uh, you've got food and drinks. Uh, I like to joke that sometimes people forget they're on an airplane, uh, you know, because it's just, you have all these amenities. And, and then when it's turbulent or something, you're like, well, it's, it's a good reminder that you're actually on an airplane and moving at nearly the speed of sound, you know, 80% of the speed of sound. And, and, and uh, a little a little bump and a little jolt can uh, send people the that the galley service carts flying um uh, it, it it happens it can go wild yeah yeah, yeah. have you ever have you ever ex it's really experienced bad. any any bad turbulence i think once or twice like really really bad once i was in the crc in the crew rest compartment this for whoever doesn't know what crc means uh it's basically the hidden secret room for flight crew and um, flight attendants as well uh where we take our naps and by naps i mean sometimes this nap can be three four five hours depends on the flight um, that's, that's going back to bed <laughs> yeah exactly naps <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, I experienced that when I was in the actually 777 CRC out of nowhere. I was just having my sweet dreams there, like sleeping. This was a long, long time ago. And out of nowhere, the aircraft started shaking like crazy. And I was like, oh my God. And you were in this small bunk because the bunk, obviously, uh, and honestly, when you compare the 380 and 777 bunks, the 777 is like more comfortable. It's like, larger which is like weird i know it's ironic because uh, 380 is uh, i guess yeah it's i think it's bigger than 777 i mean honestly obviously it, it has two decks yeah, but oh, for sure yeah. uh you know because we have two uh pilots uh two aircrafts you know 777 and 380 and our pilots they're always uh, like oh my god no a 777 is longer than uh, the 380 you know there is always this kind of uh not fight, but how to say it? Um, how would you say yeah. it? No? Uh, I don't know. Comparison. Comparison. Or, uh, uh, yes. A little exactly. competition, maybe. Who's got the bigger plane? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. I, I can hear it already. Yeah. <laughs> you can, of course. <laughs> so, uh, so that's why I know you're a Boeing pilot. So that's why I don't want to really say uh, that to say hundred percent. Uh, 380 is bigger than 777 or something like that because I'm always very careful what I say when I'm on the flight or something because some some people they really get offended like and they start arguing no it's not it's not bigger and I'm like oh my gosh seriously huh I would 
I actually, I can't imagine how you could argue that the 777 is bigger than the 380. I mean, I guess you could say it's longer, but uh, I don't know the dimensions of those airplanes. But so is that bigger? I don't know. I would go by passenger <laughs> count personally, but. And they go for the engines, you know, because the yeah. engines of the 777 are very powerful. So they're like, well, look at our engines and all of that. But it's honestly, I have so much fun. It's like always fun to listen to these kind of conversations because it's like, okay, good. <laughs> so I'm a 787 girl. Like I'm not even, okay, I'm in love with the 380. Uh, now the 380 pilot, the 777 pilots, they'll be like, ah, really? <laughs> um, I, I love the 380, but then for me, the most beautiful aircraft is 787. I don't know. I just think it's a sexy aircraft. <laughs> yeah, I've never flown on one. Uh, they are beautiful to watch. Their wings are very unique when they when you watch them land. They they they're uh, they're really beautiful. They look they look. It's a very graceful looking airplane. Um, it, it's funny about their, their comparisons. Like you know, I, because I was on the Airbus uh, A320 for four years, and then I've been on the uh, 737 now for about. Well, that's coming up on four years, and uh, and they're. People love to compare Airbus to Boeing or A A320 to 737, the, the similar size aircraft. And uh, I mean, I, I'm I would take the Airbus any day. Which this will be, uh, you know, this will be inflammatory for anybody listening to, like, oh, what? You're like, you're not a Boeing guy or whatever. Like, exactly. Plus, you are American. Come on. It's a great airplane. It, it uh, but it's just for me. I'd take the Airbus uh, any day personally, but. Uh, that's just 737 to, to uh, 320, you know, so uh, 787, never flown one, never, never even been on one. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't speak for the, those comparisons. Yeah. But are you going, did you uh, choose Airbus because of the trade table that you guys have? <laughs> a little bit. Yes. Yeah. The trade table is, is a big, is a big one. Uh, that's uh, it's a, a big huge advantage. <laughs> It's a huge advantage to have that trade table. I'm telling you. Uh, and, and for those who don't know what we're talking about, it, it in the Airbus, there's no center uh, control wheel. There's no yoke. It's a side stick, and so that opens up the space in front of you as a pilot. And and what Airbus has done is they've put this trade table that can that can stow away into the the front panel, or you can pull it out, and then you have this trade table. You can you can anything you need to write down. Of course, you got a trade table for uh, your crew meals is nice to be able to have something to put Whereas on the, on the 737, I'm putting my little trade table on my, my crew meal tray on my lap. Uh, it's, there's some creature comforts that are missing. That's so uncomfortable though. <laughs> Poor me, right? Like I have to put my crew meal tray with table on my lap. I, I wanted to bring up, we, uh, we've been very busy over the last uh, three, four weeks trying to grow and build the jet fuel devs brand and to all of our listeners that are out there i really wanted to thank everybody for supporting the show if you follow us on on instagram if you follow us on twitter slash x really appreciate all the help uh and and support you know we're still pretty young in this game of uh of episode five here we have set up a support page on our website which we'll link to in the show notes if you want to support the show uh hosting fees uh, Zencaster fees, uh, uh, what website fees, uh, you know, this stuff isn't free. We love doing it, but we, we would love any help. That notion fees, guys, notion fees, notion fees, please. 
<laughs> Notion is not free. Um, so any support that you can send our way, uh, we've got uh, buttons on the uh, on the website. Uh, we really appreciate it. And it keeps the podcast ad free. This is the only ad you're going to hear during this podcast. So uh, we appreciate all the support. Thank you, guys. Thanks all, uh, to everyone who supported us uh, from me as well. And really appreciate you all. Thank you, guys. So during your time off, uh, Veronica, you're with uh, your time in Istanbul, you know, how were you doing with keeping up with your studies? Uh, any any software work that you were doing? Like, were you able to keep up on that? Yes. Uh, as I mentioned, I had to undergo a surgery there. Um, and I was also with my uh, family there. So I said, no coding um no studying because i've been basically studying the whole year so i was like i can't uh keep up even after i have a surgery you know otherwise i might go crazy or something and my family family will say are you all right <laughs> yeah i need some time to recover physically mentally from this and um yeah i for these 20 days, I was coding free gal, coding free gal, really. Um, and uh, since I came back a week ago, um, I'm like, okay, girl, now you should level up. Like you should keep it going with and to see where I left off because uh, which module I, module I should do from my university assignment and all of that. So I saw, I knew that the hardest one is coming up, which is C Sharp and .NET. I have zero experience with C Sharp and .NET uh, development. So I knew that this will be a hard uh, task for me to to kind of even grasp the uh, the concept of the whole thing. Uh, I think I, like I think my Java experience will help me uh, with it. So I'm pretty. I mean, positive about it, but still, I know that it will be challenging, but I love challenges, so that's fine. Uh, when it comes to um, getting back my momentum, because gaining your momentum, first of all, it's hard. And then when you lose it, then, then if you want to get it back, it's like you need time, you know, you need time. So how, you know what helped me? I'm still not, I still didn't get it back fully. I want to tell you, I'm still gaining it. Like I'm still getting there, you know, I, I'm still not there yet because it's very hard, very hard. Mostly I lose my momentum when I reach very difficult challenge when it comes to coding. This is very easy for me to lose my momentum because I get kind of like demotivated, you know, when it's easy, you make it uh, happen, you do your stuff, everything is compiling, let's say, and, and you're like, yes, I can do it. But for me, this is my personal experience, right? For me, once I face like, um, and this is a bad thing, I'm not saying it's good, this is actually a bad thing about me, which I'm trying to fix, but uh, well, still working on it. When I face like very uh huge difficulty uh coding when it comes to coding and building projects i'm getting demotivated because i'm trying and trying and trying and trying like for hours for days and it's still not happening some people i admire the people who actually get motivated from it from uh facing dif uh, difficult challenges um in programming but for me it's exactly the opposite so this is a very dangerous way to go you know because it's not good. I'm trying to fix that. 
but it's hard. It's hard. So what motivated me to some degree, uh, to actually high degree, to get back my momentum is the community, the ex-community. Uh, oh my goodness, you don't know how my post, when, when I posted that I'm starting with C-sharp and .NET uh, development and I need help, I was asking for help. And then I was like, okay, I left, I posted it and I left it. I'm like, maybe no one will reply because, you know, my community there is all iOS developers. So I'm like, maybe no one will reply. Two hours after that, I come back on the X platform and I see maybe 30 comments already with people sharing resources, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, I felt so supported. I felt really like how come I deserve this? Like, I felt so lucky and so happy to to have these people and that all of these people want to help me, actually. So I think nothing can replace community. Nothing can replace people. And I'm very glad that X platform exists. And there are a lot of people that actually are there to help you just for no reason, just because you are there to, just because you dare to ask for help, you know? It's important. So this is um, what this what really helped me. This what really helped me. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm so grateful. Um, and um, yeah, even you, Dan, even you motivate me. You actually are part of this community, and you are actually now a part of my closest circle. So um, I, you're very supportive. You've been very supportive uh, with me, and this really helps me. That's cool. That's awesome. And, and yeah, and you know, we kind of feed off each other with the, with productivity as far as the podcast goes and, and, and what our, our personal projects are. And, and, uh, it, it motivates me, um, to see the work that you do because, uh, you know, it, it, it I, I guess I, I'm inspired by productive people. And so that, that community, uh, is very rich on, on the X platform of, of productive people, people working on things. Of course, sometimes you only see the, the, the best parts, you know, not too many people uh, talk about the worst parts or the fact that, um, I know that I've worked on, on problems that I've had in, in my projects for weeks, I've been trying to solve some problem and, and it, and what I think motivates me with those times that I'm having difficulty, like, I feel like I'm just banging my head up against the wall. I cannot figure out how to solve this, this problem. What motivates me is I know that I have, I have overcome problems in the past. And so this is just another one of those. And even though I can't see the other side of that, I know that I've, I've been here before. And so I know that I'll, I'll get past this too. I'll figure this out as well. You know, so, um, that's one of the things that, uh, that I don't know if that, if that causes me to lose momentum, it, it certainly causes me to lose a little bit of uh, spirit, I guess, like excitement. I mean, you know how, like when you, when you fix a problem, when you, when you solve a, a problem, uh, how good that feels. Uh, it's, uh, it, it doesn't feel good know. to know that now here's another problem and now why can't I get past it? Uh, but I know that I've gotten past it before. So other problems, so I'll, I'll get past this one too. I guess that's a little bit of, um, motivation yes. Yes. for me, but, uh, I had a, I had a, a moment uh, or a period of time where I lost momentum in my development because we had a long weekend. My son and my wife did a long, uh, what's called a Ragnar relay race. Uh, this was actually when we met in Seattle, they had just, uh, they had finished that race and then, and that's why we were in Seattle when you were as well. So, uh, they had finished that race, but it took like, I think it was like Friday, Saturday and Sunday 
um, was basically taken up with this race. So now I've gone a whole weekend without writing a single line of code or even looking at anything of code. I was just, my, my mind was shifted over to this, you know, supporting my wife and my son on this race. So um, I lost momentum there. One analogy that I heard was it's kind of like when you stop going to the gym or you stop working out and then like, you know, you get into a routine of, of you work out every day, every other day, or once a week or whatever you do, uh, any kind of routine. Well, you, for whatever reason, you stop doing that. And it, it's harder to get back in that. And I think if you get out of the routine of, of working on your project, uh, your indie project, or, you know, maybe, you, maybe you lose momentum at work, you know, for your, for your company project, it's, it's hard to get, get back into that and, and get inspiration back about that. And, and, um, you know, I think, I think ways of, of clearing your mind, um, resetting, getting momentum back, there's, there's things that you can do. Um, I actually asked my wife about, about, uh, you know, what do you do when you're, when you've lost momentum for, for running You know, she's a teacher full-time, but she loves running. And, uh, and she gave, yeah. you know, some suggestions, uh, you know, about, about the community actually. What did she say? Yeah, she, well, you know, signing up for races, uh, public races, not just running on your own, not just coding in your office on your own or, you know, at a desk on your own, signing up for uh, races. In our case, uh, you know, maybe sign up for a conference if that's available yeah, to you. That would be a way of, of inspiring yeah. you to, to like, okay, I've got this conference coming up. I, you know, that may be inspiring. Going to the conference can be very inspiring. Um, uh, you know, maybe exactly. I remember how inspired inspired you were when you went to the conference uh, a couple of few months back. Yes. You remember? Oh yes, the Swift conference. I, I still yeah. think of that, and uh, and it, it inspires oh, me to nice. this day of uh, of of like how uplifting that was to be around. And again, to your point, the people, the community of developers to be around those people is very inspiring. But let's say that's not available. There's no conference in your area or there isn't one for another year. You know, another recommendation uh, was maybe just change the framework or the, or the, the pro, you know, shift to a different part of the project. If you're having trouble, you're not inspired by this part of the project. If it's available, maybe maybe take on a different angle, work on a different part of the app, a different part of the project, you know, whatever you have, or even just changing locations. I'll get this on 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 the road when I'm at work. I don't want to be in my hotel working on my lap, on my project, just sitting in my hotel room all the time. And in fact, most of the time I don't, it's a reason I carry a backpack for my flight bag and not a, not a traditional pilot flight bag, because when I'm, when I'm on the road for work, I put my laptops in my backpack, I'll strap that on. I leave the hotel and I find a coffee shop, a juice bar, you name it. Uh, and, and I get some work done there. Uh, because just that a different location, um, you don't feel so isolated. So, you know, changing locations, registering for conferences, looking for a different framework, uh, something to shift gears, maybe. Uh, and then I think just being real with yourself that you're, you're human. Sometimes you got to get up and go pee, no matter how long you've been on the taxiway, you are human, <laughs> we lose our motivation. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, it's okay. And we all go through it, even if you don't talk about it, uh, on, 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 you know, any posts about it, like we're all human. That's correct. And, uh, I think just being real with ourselves. Now, jumping back to, uh, the story, your story in Boston, I have a question uh, with you. I wanted to ask you, uh, before, but I want to ask you before we really close that, uh, topic and, uh, the, your story, what would you do, uh, you as a pilot, if this happened on landing, for example, imagine this happened when you are on final 
what uh, would you guys what would be like the pilot's actions like would you guys lend without caring uh if the there is a guy standing up if there is a guy even like uh i don't know going to the toilet or in the toilet doesn't want to get out of the toilet like uh would you uh still lend because it's a very sensitive you know part of the flight if you are on final already um, well, you've never seen my landings, so you probably wouldn't want me to land with somebody walking uh, around in the in the in the cabin. Oopsies! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I have my good landings and my bad landings, but uh, no. So to set the stage a little bit, so let's. So we're on final. What's the ratio? What's the ratio, good and bad? Eighty uh, twenty. Eighty good, bad twenty. Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. That's a good one. I thought it's oh. the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. I'm joking. Uh, you know, I'm joking. I have to. I have to talk myself up. You know, but uh, okay. So to set the stage, so you've got we're on final. The landing gear is down. The flaps are set. Maybe we're uh, sixty seconds, maybe thirty seconds from landing. Something. We're in that range, right? We're pretty close in. Is yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. And somebody gets up. They, yeah, they get up or they rush into the bathroom. Right? Okay. And then the flight attendants would call and say, somebody just ran into the bathroom. So in that scenario, I've never had this happen, but in that scenario, I would go around. I would not land. Oh, interesting. Because, yeah, mm. yeah, because uh, the the act of, of course, the the landing, let's say it was you're in the 80% range, so I, I do a good landing. You still have to hit the brakes, which is pretty, pretty, can be pretty aggressive, um, you know, depending on the runway. If you have plenty of runway, then you can go easy on the brakes. Yeah. But if we have, you know, we, we land some airports with some fairly short runways. And the fact of the matter is you got to hit the brakes. And so yeah, exactly. those factors, you can't have somebody um, obviously walking through the cabin. Uh, even in the bathroom, there's no seatbelts, uh, you know, on the toilet. So, uh, you know, and, and yeah. uh, if they're in this little room of, of a bathroom, you can't have somebody bouncing around in there. So we go around. Um, however, I will say this, that at some point fuel is going to become an issue and, uh, and right. we only have so much fuel uh, what goes up must come down. This airplane is going to land at some point. So at some point it's going to become more dangerous to go around because now we're putting ourselves in a fuel critical situation rather than landing. Yeah. Again, this has never happened, but I'm sure it's happened on plenty of flights where this is, this has occurred, but uh, sure. to answer your question, I would, we would go around and, uh, because you can do that pretty smooth, especially if you, if you just, you, you take a, a, a minute, a moment rather, uh, to like, okay, nice, easy, go around. There's no emergency here. Just, uh, make a smooth, you know, you're just going to slightly accelerate. Uh, actually you'll, you can kind of barely change speed. You just start going up again, um, bring the gear up, flaps up, and then start reconfiguring, uh, for, and, and go around again to get back in line to land. And in your opinion, what would be the, is uh, like the passenger will face some consequences, any at all, or no, he was, he's fine. He can do whatever he wants. That sort of depends on the demeanor and, and the, and the call of the, of uh, sort of a, the feedback from the flight attendants. Like I would, if we were flying together, I would like, well, what was this person causing problems for the whole flight? Uh, or was this a, a, just an incident where somebody like, I have to go to the bathroom right now or, you know, because many years ago we did have a, an incident where we landed and this was in Los Angeles and um, we were holding between runways and somebody got up like to get their, their suitcase out of the overhead bin. And the flight attendants called us to let us know that somebody got up and like, we just exited the runway, but we have to cross another one and then we have to taxi to our gate. Well, 
the flight attendant wanted the the uh, police called on this person because for the whole flight, I guess this person had been a problem, you know, talking back, okay. not complying. Yeah. And, and that was the final straw in that case, you know, a one-time thing for me, I don't think that would be enough to say like, oh, we're going to call the police on you. You've not complied with a flight deck crew member. Um, you know, it, yeah. no, that wouldn't do it. But okay. if, you know, if you said this yeah. person has been a problem the whole time, and, uh, and maybe is talking back and, and just being a problem and maybe disrupting other passengers, that'd be a case where, yes, Correct. call the police. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I was always, um, yeah, wondering about actually exactly this issue. Mm -hmm. um, what would be your action on landing if a passenger, for example, for example, stand up and do just anything? Mm -hmm. And if you're going to land or no, but now I know that you would go around. <laughs> I don't know about our pilots. What is your, what are your hacks and your suggestions for people, for example, who are, uh, who have fear of flying? We get this actually fairly often that people come on the airplane and maybe it's their first flight uh, or they're just, they, they don't like flying. They have a fear of flying. Uh, I like to tell people that, that it's, a lot of times it's just sensations that you're not used to. You know, most people don't grow up flying or you know, spend half of their life in the, in the air uh, as a, as a flight deck crew member or whatever. Uh, and so you have these different sensations and, and there's a sensation that the climbing, the descending, uh, the, the banking, the airplane banking. I once was sitting next to a passenger that didn't like it when the airplane, uh, banked left or right to turn. And in fact, she said to me, she said, why do airplanes need to bank? to tilt when, when they turn. And I said, well, if they didn't, uh, you, you can turn without banking, but you're basically you're, if you're turning to the right, it's going to throw your whole body to the left. Uh, it would be very uncomfortable. Uh, and it's not an, an efficient way to turn. You, you have to, you have to bank the airplane to get what's called the, uh, the vertical component of lift over to more of the horizontal, which actually causes it to, to turn. So an understanding of, of, not necessarily like how an airplane flies, but just an understanding that these are different sensations and you're just not used to it. Um, it's, it's not that there's anything wrong. Uh, it's just, these are different sounds. Even there's, there's sounds of the landing gear, there's hydraulic sounds, there's pressurization sounds. And, and, and so the unfamiliarity of these sounds and these sensations, I think is what causes a lot of anxiety. Um, I also encourage people that are af afraid of flying. I might talk to people in the, in the gate area before we get on the airplane that, that uh, are afraid of flying. And I'll, I'll say, Hey, come up to the flight deck, um, you know, before you get on your, uh, into your seat, uh, during the boarding process and come, come meet us and, and see a little bit of what we do. It's, there's sort of this mysticism, this magical thing to flying, I think, where people are like, how does it work? How do you do it? And, and they might see the flight deck and think like, what are all these buttons? And, and I like to joke, like, I don't know, I only use a couple of them, but uh, that's not true. But, um, <laughs> but just a little bit of, I like that. yeah, just a little familiarity with, with, you know, meet the pilots. If you're afraid of flying, say, say I've had people come on and, and they want to know what our names are. I'm like, well, I don't care. I think it's great Aww. having people up to the, to the flight deck. Cause you know, we can't do that in route. And, and usually during deplaning, people don't want to, uh, they just want to get off the airplane, but, uh, there's, there's usually a few minutes before the flight, um, that you can come up and say hello to the pilots. Um, uh, you know, so that's lovely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. What about you? What do you, good. what do you tell people? Oh, well, I always suggest, uh, honestly, maybe 
for my whole career of almost eight years, I had maybe two or three times only um, passengers who were really, really like scared of flying. And I always, but you know, I believe that most of the people have fear of flying, but they don't really show it. They don't really admit, admit it and so on. For example, my dad, he never visited me in Dubai for these whole oh, eight wow. years. He never came to Dubai because he has fear of flying. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, take a boat then. Like, uh, come <laughs> here and I'll wait for you in three months or maybe when you arrive, you know. <laughs> I don't know. And like, I was try- I'm, I'm still actually trying to get him on a flight to come to Dubai to visit. It's incredible city. Everyone should visit it actually. But he he's like, no, he's so stubborn. He's like, you know, no, no, it's not my thing. But anyway, what I advise my passengers on uh, my flights, just stick to whatever hobby you have. Like hobby, I mean, when it comes to uh, if you like to read, play games, we have an amazing IFE system. I mean, like, you know, entertaining system and all of that stuff. So you can always distract yourself with that. Like you said um, before, people forget because of this kind of entertainment on the flight that they're on an airplane. So you can use that as a distraction to forget basically that you're on an airplane if you have that strong fear of flying. Um, Other than that, you can just try to socialize with other passengers like for example talk to the person next to you even share i don't think it's shameful to share that you actually have a fear of flying it's not a shame be open about it even tell the person next to you okay i'm scared entertain me now (laughs) i'm joking don't be that much (laughs) you can actually talk to us talk to the flight attendants share with us and we will try our best to always help people uh, try anything to distract your mind. Try to sleep even. Just take one of those like sleeping masks or ask the flight attendants to give you one and just put it on and forget about it. Um, I know it's easier said than done. This is like 100%. But you should do, use all your resources. All your resources. But for me, what helps me is always... Uh, always let me... Tr- this... Cold book, <laughs> one of my favorite books. <laughs> Not exactly this book, but yeah, one of them. <laughs> for for those listening to the audio only podcast, oh, yeah. if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, uh, Veronica just held up a book by Elon Musk or about, about Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Yeah, about Elon Musk by Ashley Vince Vance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by Ashley. <laughs> you know, it's that's a great point. It's sometimes because I commute from Minneapolis to Seattle, right? Like, and I always have I have my laptop. I've got my coding work to do, and uh, I'll take a little nap at the beginning of the flight, and then pretty much we get in a loft, and I, I'll get my laptop out, and I'll work for uh, basically the whole flight. Uh, not all the time, but uh, I also have my podcast or something I'll listen to. But I'm always amazed. Sometimes I'll sit next to somebody on these commute flights that they have nothing to do. Um, because not all of our flights in the U.S. have TV screens, right? There, there may not be an in-flight entertainment system. Uh, and, and most people bring their iPad, their, their laptop, their, their whatever device uh, or a book and have something to do. But every now and then I sit next to somebody that just sits there and stares straight ahead. And, uh, and that's like, man, you brought nothing to do. You knew this flight was going to be three hours. 
you know, bring something to do. Uh, unless that's just, I, I just want to sit and stare at the back of the seat in front of me. A- another thing I wanted to talk about with being a, f- a fear of flying is the, uh, is the, the turbulence. It, because usually people, this is probably the, the, the biggest thing that people don't like. This airplane is shaking around. Why is it shaking around? And what I try to, to convey is that, uh, have you ever been on a boat? Most people have been on a boat. And in a boat, you can see the waves and you can see the fact that the boat is going to bounce over the waves uh, and the waves are going to cause the boat to rock. Well, air and water have the same characteristics. The, 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 the motion of, of water across rocks of a stream is exactly what air does across mountains or, or treetops. And this radiates itself all the way up through the atmosphere, uh, uh, different uh, different temperatures and air pressures cause waves in the air. And our little airplane is just a boat going through the air and it responds the same way. The problem is you can't see it. You can't see the air, uh, unless you're flying through clouds and, and then, but, uh, and so I, I think this contributes to the fear factor, if you will, uh, that why is this airplane shaking around? Like it is like, there's nothing you know, outside. It's clear. Well, you can't see it. It's, but it's still happening. And so it's just a boat. Well, Veronica, we're out of time. It has been such a great uh, conversation talking with you again. It's great to get caught up um, and uh, conclude episode five with you today. I hope our listeners have uh, enjoyed the show. Whether you're coding at your desk or cruising at 30,000 feet, everybody remember momentum may ebb and flow, but your journey is always worth the ride. It's about learning. It's about improving yourself and doing what you love the most. Until next time, this is Jet Fuel Devs. I'm Dan. And I'm Veronica, guys. It was a pleasure to be with you again. And I hope to see you soon. And don't forget to join our upcoming spaces, X spaces, that we are planning on doing. Um, maybe? How about next week, Dan? Let's do that. And I think it's great, great to keep on with the topic of keeping up the momentum. You should support, we should support each other, guys. Support each other. And please don't forget to support us on Patreon and on our website. We will put links. And thank you so much again, once again, to whoever already supported us. We really appreciate that, guys. And yeah, until next time, see you soon. Safe flights, happy coding. <laughs>